This is the Love and Loss Podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ann Mooney. First, I wanted to give some major gratitude to anyone who listened to the first episode, where my friend Lisa talks about the loss of her father. It's been brought to my attention a lot lately with that first episode, a video I was watching on Instagram, I think it was Glennon Doyle. Um, actually recorded around the beginning of quarantine times and even on some old episodes of the Real Housewives of New York that it's rare to be able to talk about losing someone and to just be able to say anything and to not have someone want to fix you or get that sense that people want or wish that you were able to move past your pain and grief faster when sometimes, oftentimes, you just need to be able to sit in that state and be totally accepted and talk about these people that you've lost. And my work as a healer, Reiki, breathwork, meditation, is to be able to cultivate being purely present on moving through emotions instead of avoiding them. So I'm excited for you to hear this chat with my dear friend Royal for our second episode. We met when I first moved to New York almost 13 years ago now, and we're basically soulmates. Uh, He grew up in the Lower East Side and currently resides in Arizona. He's an amazing author of the memoir Fame Shark. He's a journalist, a poet, painter, publicist, and probably more things I'm forgetting in this moment. Before we dive in, though, I'm going to talk us through a mini grounding moment. So if you are walking or driving, no need to close your eyes. But if you're in a place where you're able to gently close your eyes and that feels safe, that would be the first thing I would suggest. So if you'd like to gently close your eyes and if you're able to, if you're walking or even driving or if you're just sitting in a chair or even if you're laying down, but um, if you're sitting up, just thinking about your feet firmly planted into the ground. And if you're laying down, you can think about your body just sinking a little bit deeper into the bed or the floor, the yoga mat, the couch. And just take a deep breath in through your nose and let a sigh out your mouth. (sighs) You can do a couple more of those at your own pace. Just arrive in this moment, this precious, precious moment, even if you're irritated, angry, annoyed, sad, happy, joyful, silly, unhinged, however you're feeling right now, don't try to change it. Whatever thoughts are arising, try not to judge them, just let them arise. And just take another breath, letting out any noises. And you can slowly open your eyes again if that feels good. Or if you're in a place where you continue to close your your eyes and you just want to rest them. Our eyes, at least my eyes, have been very 
exhausted lately looking at a lot of screens. There's so much stuff going on right now in the news. Um, I just want to honor all of the loss that people have been experiencing lately. And with that, we will jump into the episode. Thank you again for joining. Record. All right, we are recording. So yeah, welcome to the Love and Loss podcast with Lauren Ann Mooney. I'm your host, and I am introducing you right now to my guest, Royal Young, and I'll let him expand a little bit more on who he is and who he's going to be talking about today. Hey, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You're so welcome. Um, So as you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, I'm a creative person, and the person who I lost, who I want to talk about, was also an extremely creative person who pulled out so much from me. Um, She was a single mom, she was a photographer, she was a painter, and she was a friend that I met um, in my late 20s. And and immediately, uh, you know, I think sometimes we meet people in life that we immediately connect with and that we feel we've known for such a long time. And she was one of those people for me. Her name was Katrine Westergaard. And about two years into our friendship, she got um, very sick. She had terminal cancer. And that played out in a pretty pretty shocking way um, over the next almost a year. And it was also the first time that I really had I would say, you know, a front row seat. I don't want to make it sound like theater, but a front row seat to to death and to the process of, you know, both the medical process um, and the ups and downs and, you know, also the, the hardship of being there for her eight-year-old son. Um, and so, yeah, that, that is who I want to discuss today. Wow, yeah, I'm really glad that you said her full name because I realize that that's something that people just don't normally, like, they'll be like, oh, I lost my friend or I lost my dad or my mom. But I think saying their full name is really powerful um, and really gives them that respect, for lack of a better way of putting it, or I guess maybe that is a really good way to put it. No, definitely. I think that we have a tendency as a culture in general you know, death is such a hard thing to face and putting a name, you know, saying their name, um, you know, humanizes and makes specific the loss. And sometimes that is, that's hard for people to confront. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you, yeah, so you kind of, uh, briefly touched on around what time this was, but more specifically, when did they actually pass away? So it's so funny. I I don't know if you've had this experience, but I can't remember the year, like for the for the life of me. But I remember the day that I found out. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. No, a million percent. Yeah. So I, I be- feel like I believe I it was the same thing. I believe it was four years ago that she passed. Um, okay. And the day was, you know, it's like when someone dies, you remember these weird specific events, but not larger things. 
which I think is the, you know, the whole, like, I don't remember the year, but I remember the exact day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the day was, you know, she had been in the hospital and, and we had been, she was, she was in hospice. Um, and there was really nothing left to do to save her life. Um, so we knew it was coming and I had been so upset for weeks, you know, through this process, but um, summer was coming too. It was it was late May, and my grandparents had opened up their pool on Long Island, and it was such a beautiful day, and I just felt like I can't wait anymore. You know, I can't just be in this constant suspended state of grief, and I had my two friends over and we had an amazing pool day and I just kind of forgot about what was happening with Katrine and, and was just happy and swimming. Um, and I walked my friends to the train station to go back to the city. And it was, you know, that like blue Long Island dusk with the orange street lamps coming on. And as their train pulled away from the tracks, I got the text saying um, that Katrine had died. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of already were touching on this, but I was going to ask what was a memory from the day that she passed away? Well, um, since I just kind of talked about that, I, I was thinking about this before we spoke and I'd like to share a memory of the last time that I saw her, if that's okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so it kind of, it's was a weird, it's a weird one. Um, like I said, she was in hospice and she was on a lot of, of drugs um, to, to minimize her pain, to manage her pain. So she wasn't always lucid, but it was one of the days that she was. And we had been talking and her foot was sticking out of her blankets and Katrina and I had a very playful, like mischievous relationship. And the weirdest thing I, I found myself leaning over and just like gently biting her toe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I didn't realize that, you know, her skin was so sensitive and it hurt her a lot and she grimaced you know she just had this pain on her face and she was like ow you you that hurt and I immediately apologized and she goes you're angry at me and I was said no I'm not I'm not I love you and she said you are but it's okay I love you too and until she had said that I was angry I didn't realize I was but I was fucking furious at her for leaving and um it you know it came out in that way yeah I think it's so interesting because at least for me anger is one of those emotions that I think is hard for me to access a lot of the time or not as like acceptable to to uh, show I was gonna say experience but I think more like to express it it's hard to know how to constructively express anger so I think that's really 
awesome that she was able to recognize that. And, right. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, it's pretty wild. Like, the dying lady has to <laughs> therapize <laughs> me and, like, let me know that I'm fucking angry and also tell me that it's okay and she understands. And, you know, that was just who Katrine... That, that's who Katrine is. Like, she yeah. was able to see these things in people um, and still honor them and love them and and grant them the permission to to act on their feelings in that way which is what you know what we're talking about with anger where it's like we don't give ourselves permission to feel angry um and especially when someone is dying it's like you there's so much guilt about feeling angry at them yeah definitely i feel like it's it's funny that you comment on like oh it has to be this this woman who's dying in the hospital to like recognize that and teach me that but right. of course it, but at the same time it's like of course it was <laughs> right. I feel like when you're in that time of life you just start to get this like greater understanding of everything yeah yeah and I think that's kind of I the mean, gift of us getting to be close to that too. right right I mean one hopes yeah, like you know I've, I've definitely you know, I've definitely seen that. And, you know, and like I said, Katrine was the first death that I, uh, you know, that I really experienced in such an intimate way. Um, though, as as you you know, my grandfather also passed oh, a little bit of, over a year ago. And I had the same experience with him. But, you know, my other grandfather, like, he was an oblivious asshole till the end. <laughs> like, sometimes you don't get that with people just because... You know, death isn't always a profound experience. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's all so profound. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I mean it, it's all about, like any experience, it's all about what you take away from it, I think. Or what what is learned from it or what it opens up for you. And for unfortunately for some people, you know, it just it doesn't do much for them. Yeah. Um, well, I, th- I mean, this is, you answered this, but maybe a memory. So I wanted to ask what a memory of them in your life is. Mm-hmm. And I would, so I guess I would say maybe a memory of them before they were sick, potentially. Right, right. Um, hmm. I mean, I have so many great memories of Katrine. I think, uh, you know, what, what's so interesting is that, so Katrina, you know, as I mentioned, was a photographer towards the end of her life. She was, became quite successful and she was working, you know, with like big models and she was, she loved fashion and she loved art and um, all of that. So a lot of my memories of her are kind of infused with that stardust quality um, and that energy um, that we were creating beautiful things together. But my my favorite memories of her are the ones that are really banal, like driving to New Jersey to some fabric store to buy like buttons, like a specific button that she needed for a photo shoot and just listening to music on the car ride and having those moments of, of intimacy with her um, where, you know, or like, 
smoking a joint in Long Island City by the river and just looking out at the New York skyline on a bench and during the middle of the day. Like, just those moments that were, you know, where, where I felt a connection with her that was very just normal, everyday run-of-the-mill. Like, I think that when, when I look back on my memories of her or my memories of my grandfather, the ones I miss the most are not the highest points. They're the moments that just felt safe. Yeah. That's, I like that. There's just, like, a beauty and simplicity and the right. things that we get to remember that maybe seemed insignificant at the time and then become more powerful as time goes on, potentially. A hundred percent. And also, just, I think, the power of, of normalcy, the power of constancy, you know, I think those, those um, mundane moments in the, in the moment, it's like, you're kind of annoyed with them because they feel mundane. But after you lose someone in that same moment that it's like, you want those kind of moments to last forever. You know, you want, you, you want to argue with them about what to order for lunch for like years. Oh, yeah, that speaks to me a lot because I had a memory recently when I was making toast like in the morning and mm. I realized how part of why I didn't like to cook for myself for a while. And yeah, why you know, now we're all kind of forced to because I, I don't I think we'll probably still be in this semi quarantine when this comes out. But, yeah, um, <laughs> is uh, that um that like I was doing a lot of that for my mom towards the end of her life and right. I just was and it's things like that too, yeah. But I'm just like, Oh man, I wish I could just make fucking toast for my mom again. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I got really overwhelmed with like emotion making toast. Yeah. You know? like... Yeah. A hundred percent. No, absolutely. That no, that makes I mean that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. And it yeah. could because it is in these small acts of love that we that we, I, I think, really become close with people over time. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Um, well, what's something that you learned from Katrine? Like, something that hmm. you feel like she taught you? I mean, I think it's something that I still struggle with. Um, two things, two things, if I may. <laughs> yes. um, the first one is, 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 is just a sense of self-worth that she, especially as a photographer, one of her gifts was being able to see people that she cared about as larger than life. And she pulled out, you know, a confidence in me that I had never really had before. And, you know, something that I still work on, you know, reminding myself of, um, and that I, we all work on it you know, I think for our whole lives is like our sense of self-image. Um, but, you know, with Katrine, it was that she saw kind of the superhero version of people um, and she wanted to help them see that for themselves. And that was an amazing gift. Um, um, on the darker side, she was someone who you know, as her life kind of unraveled because of her illness, she was someone that I increasingly realized had a lot of secrets and was an extremely complicated person 
who who had you know many locked doors in her life in her past um and so i think she she just taught me though this was not the lesson that she maybe wanted to impart um not to try and step away from that myself because i think i can also compartmentalize and i can also hide in plain sight and that is something that i you know want to try to do less and less in my life yeah do you feel like there was something about the aftermath of that that made you want to be less like that I mean, you don't have to go too into that, but I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. I definitely I saw how how it affected, you know, her son. I saw how in, in a negative way, you know, I saw how her family um her family's past painful history, you know, once she could no longer keep it at bay because again, she just was was physically weak. Mm-hmm. Um how that kind of came back to haunt her and and overrun her final months in a such a painful way um yeah and so i just think it's so important to to deal with these things head on while we have the strength to um even though it's so much easier to run away yeah i feel like i know it's like a cliche but i'm just it's making me think of like the truth will set you free right yeah, it just feels like there's, you want to be able to feel free when you're about to pass away or go into this next phase of, you know, whatever happens. And yeah. when you're kind of having to deal with all that stuff on top of being sick, that just sounds really painful. So painful. And I mean, luckily, thankfully, um, I she did come to a sense of peace. And part of that was that she was always a very spiritual person and that translated in the end of her life into actually a lot of energy healing. Interestingly, like she was studying um, Pema children and having people come over to her house to cleanse, you know, cleanse clean energy. And she was doing, I believe she was even doing Reiki towards the end. Um, So I know all of that kind of helped her with accepting the the secrets that she had kept you know Mm -hmm. and accepting that she was leaving her son that her son would be okay in the long run um but it was it was difficult and it was you know it's even when the dying person is able to come to terms with that the people the survivors they leave behind are still left to deal with the physical ramifications of it yeah definitely so yeah it's tricky yeah for sure um yeah i mean gosh i just kind of i feel like she's such a fascinating character and i feel like i met her but like briefly yeah and so it's like i feel like i know her more and this afterglow or definitely you talk about it more later but yeah um in general, what is like something unexpected that you would like to potentially let other people know about this grief time and process that kind of unfolded for you in this hmm. experience? Unexpected. Um, 
I think here's what I think. I don't know how unexpected this is. Um, I think that what Katrine taught me in general, um, both through meeting her and through the process of grieving, is that you will always be surprised at the new people you meet in your life, even when you feel that you have met the most important life-changing people you will ever meet. There will always be someone who walks in the door of a La Pan Quotidian in Soho one day wearing a pimp trucker hat who surprises <laughs> the shit out of you and who completely changes your world and your life. And I think the lesson um, of my of my grief for her was that, and you know, just just the unexpected in that that you know, at any moment, people can can surprise you out of your comfort zones and shake up your life in such a lasting way. Yeah. Wow. And that actually makes me think of the fact that like I've been talking to people so far about relatives so I don't really go into like how people met these people I right. know it seems sort of like going backwards a little bit in our sequencing right. questions but how did you originally well, that, meet her that was she walked through the door of a low pan quotidian yeah, in yeah. Soho wearing a, like a pimp trucker hat <laughs> with bright red hair and was so brassy and like insane um I I met her through social media I met her through Instagram and um she had read a friend of hers had read my journalism work and they wanted to they you know they they loved what I was writing and they wanted to talk to me about editing a script for a movie that Katrine was working on um and she was also she was born and raised on the Upper East Side I was born and raised in the Lower East Side um and we you know her she had a weird New York backstory, so we kind of bonded over that immediately. Like I said, and one of the reasons I think maybe you only met her a handful of times in passing is she was one of these friends that, like, I didn't, in in actuality, when I say, when I think about it, and I'm like, oh, well, I, I knew her really for, like, three years, and one of those years she was really sick. Mm -hmm. That's not a very long time, you know, in the scheme of things to be friends with someone yeah and that really makes me because I know I knew more of her than her because I knew you were doing some creative projects with her and things and I think what's interesting thinking about all of this is that it seems also in some ways like you got closer with her because you weren't afraid to be around her when she was dying definitely definitely and that was something that that was a, a, a time that we shared that was very important. And there were many friends who disappeared when she got sick and who only, you know, wanted to be around her because she made them look good in photos or she could bring them to a cool party or, you know, whatever dumb surface bullshit. Um, and I, I was just never one of those people. Um, and also death doesn't scare me. You know, like I'm yeah. not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in it for the duration. Yeah. Wow. That's super powerful. I'm glad that I, 
I, it's funny because, yeah, I just kind of knew you were friends with her, but I didn't know. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that she walked into <laughs> yeah. that cafe. And that's so awesome. Yeah. Um, she had a weird penchant for trucker hats with, like, rude sayings, like, embossed on them. So it'd be, like, <laughs> pimp or, like, or well, this isn't rude, but if she had one that just said boss. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then she'd wear a lot of um, fingerless gloves. I love that. Very bizarre. <laughs> I don't know why that's making me think of the whole JD, or not JD Salinger, um, JT Leroy. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she, I mean, look, like she definitely, this was part of her secret keeping, um, was that she was building a myth about her life. And you know, she would, that, that's what I'm, that ties into as well, what I'm saying about how she kind of saw her friends or people she cared about as superheroes or like icons, Mm -hmm. um, and was able to lift them up in that way. But on the flip side, you know, there's reality too. And reality is that you're, you know, she was going to get cancer and, and die. And I don't know. Yeah, how old was she when she passed away, do you know? Um, I believe that she was in her 40s, late wow. 40s. I would have yeah. to, you know, like, check her actual dates. Yeah. Um, yet another yeah. yet another thing she was secretive about. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it, it's, it fits this creative, like, magical character that she was and goes and, and continues on to be. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Um, well, I don't know if this applies exactly, but I wa- was wondering if there was any resources that, like, you'd like to share that were helpful for you when you were going through this. And I know that you've continued to obviously go through a grief journey, and I don't really think that they end now that yeah. I'm on my own. Yeah. Um, but, like, just anything that kind of helped you, like, whether it was, like, writing poetry or right. anything, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you really just hit, you just really hit it, you know, continuing to create. And, yeah. and also, I think something that I'm, that I'm really trying to do now more than ever is to get back in touch with the joy of creating, you know, first for the past decade, I've really been so focused on journalism and publishing and, and PR and the, the more um, business aspect of being a creative person. And I think what has really helped me in grief is to let go of that and get back in touch with creating, to get in touch with one's emotions, creating to connect with other people, on an, again, on an emotional level, um, and just allowing yourself to be free I mean in fact I don't if as you remember if you do remember um one of the last things that Katrine did when that we did together when she was healthy right before she got sick is that she introduced me to a gallery owner and got me my first gallery show and got me to start painting again oh yeah so that was yeah so that was a huge part of of what she wanted her, her legacy and what she wanted me to do and the the for the year after she died i worked on those paintings in my grandparents attic and then dedicated my show to her yeah wow that's so i was because i was just thinking that i was gonna 
kind of wrap it up by asking you when you feel like her presence the most in your life and that's obviously was such a time that you felt like she was guiding that whole situation definitely absolutely and you know to this day I feel her presence at odd times um and I don't I don't know how much I want to get into it. I'm going to sound real like woo woo ghost story crazy, <laughs> but, but, no, um, like, tell all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just will say no, no, I, yeah, no, you don't, yeah, do it if you um, don't want to. I, I think I'd rather just leave it at, you know, besides bizarre occurrences and circumstances that sometimes happen that I feel are connected to her um, in some way. As you're saying, uh, when I'm when I'm creative, when I am allowing myself to be this boss version of myself, when I'm allowing myself to be a little extra or a little um, devil may care, a little mischievous, but also strong, like and unapologetic. Um, that's when I really feel her energy again and her and her pimp hat just being like, get them, get them. I love that. I really love that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been such an honor to have you as a guest on this and this like really initial stages of this and to get to hear you talk about such a special person that I can definitely just feel in this whole conversation is like present with us and that has such a whimsical and you know deeply creative and artistic uh character about her that just clearly lives on in you and i'm sure many other people absolutely thank you so much it it truly was an honor to to be on your show and to share this with you and thank you for you know i i think being a witness to people and this goes back to saying their names katrine westergaard and just continuing to say her name um, is such a, an amazing opportunity. So thank you again. You're so welcome. It was an honor. And on that note, I'm going to wrap us up for now. But again, just thank you so much, Royal. And thank, thank you, you Lauren. <laughs> thank you, Lauren. You're welcome.